Greetings, fellow travelers. Welcome to my deep dive series, where I, MS Arthedian, dive into alternative tabletop role-playing games much like Reborn in Power, and what sets them apart from the TTRPG behemoth, Dungeons and Dragons. This series is an exploration into systems and settings that make up epic stories to be told. So sit back, relax, and let's dive in. Welcome to Arthadian Anthologies and my new deep dive series where I'm exploring upcoming indie small press tabletop role-playing games and what they have to offer. Today, I'm super excited to have two creators, Andy and Nathan. Andy is the COO of Quasi Real Publishing and Nathan is the lead game designer and DM of the Sanity Damage podcast and they are here to talk with me about Mythcraft. So, before we get started, on the deeper intricacies of this new system, Mythcraft, can the two of you give me a rundown of the origin story behind this creative venture you've been working on? Yeah, uh, Andy, do you want to take that? Or... <laughs> um, I'll start we'll a little bit, that. and then I'm going to let Nathan dive into that. Um, so Nathan started on this a little bit before I did. Um, I was brought in a little bit after. Um, but... Mythcraft came around um, and has been coming around for a while um, from our CEO, Grant. Mm -hmm. Um, So Grant also runs the Homebrew Network, where he has his podcast, The Homebrew, and that's where Sanity Damage is um, and the two shows I'm on. Mm -hmm. um, And he's really been creating and storytelling on that and has been wanting to write his own system for a very long time. so he's always wanted to do that. And then with everything that happened with um, Wizards of the Coast, it kind of just upped the timeline. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really good time yeah. um, to really get this started. Um, and Nathan, I know you have a little bit of a different experience with it getting started. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been playing role-playing games most of my life, and I actually have designed two role-playing games already, uh, just that I played with my friends in high school. Yeah. Um, they, were, they were poorly balanced, but we had a lot of fun with them. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, like, I've always enjoyed uh, game design and, uh, like, creating um, stories through specific rules and mechanics. So I'm, uh, I'm also a novel writer professionally by... Uh, by education um and so pairing that uh fiction storytelling aspect of um my education with my passion for games and game design um the uh, quasi real publishing and the idea of mythcraft everything just lined up so well so um i'm really excited to be a part of that and be kind of in the forefront of uh, figuring out all of the rules and mechanics for it perfect awesome that that yeah honestly uh when i got into ttrpgs it was it was like a a light in a tunnel kind of thing where where i i had this whole idea in my head this whole concept of a universe brewing in my head i've been writing since i was since i was a kid and then when ttrpgs were introduced to me i didn't quite enter in it into the best one i went into 4e right like right away and the uh-huh. my, my dm was kind of 
kind of difficult. He didn't really let me explore too many things, and when I did try to explore things, he kind of shut me down, and I was just like, ah. And then we got the Star Wars RPG. My my buddy got the Star Star Wars RPG, uh, Fantasy Flight Games, and then we like we just started exploring the universe and I love Star Wars. I love science fiction. I love yeah. like, like all that stuff. And then I was like, I have an entire universe that I can create something with. And I started working on, on games. And then nine years later, I have, uh, I have, I have this whole thing. And I, I realized that sometimes, you know, it's, it's hard to do it, to do it on your own, but you guys have a team of, of people. How, how is that going? Do, do you have like a full on vision when it comes to like, Mythcraft, like having a, a a vision board of how everyone is is working on the game itself, because I feel like sometimes when I would work with other people on my game, it like you know create creative minds sometimes butt heads about yeah. what they want. <laughs> yes, um, I I'll I'll start and then Andy can uh, flesh out whatever I miss. Yeah, but, um, we we have an awesome team of like thinkers and writers, and um, so. I'm uh, again. I'm the lead game designer, so I will basically set up a bunch of uh, like outlines or skeleton documents, and then ask people to fill them in, and then I'll go through and figure out what seems balanced and what doesn't, and mm-hmm. we'll talk back and forth about ideas. A lot of times, that does lead to butting heads, yeah. um, and so we, Andy can attest, she's usually the observer in lengthy arguments that lead to really <laughs> yes. really awesome mechanics yeah, after yeah. after a lengthy argument you know like i and other designers will come at it from opposite sides of the of the problem that we're trying to represent with like a mechanic and uh, we will talk around each other talk to each other talk past each other sometimes and <laughs> eventually we will arrive at something that just feels really really uh fantastic but it's it's because of that process like having people that have different ideas that allow the best ideas to really come to the surface. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I think I think part of it is that this whole thing, as it's been designed, has always been a team thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always been multiple minds working on it, where sometimes if it's your own thing and then you try to bring other people in, it's a little bit more difficult because you yeah. have your vision. Yeah. Um, but with this, it's always been a group vision. It's always been there's there's no bad ideas. That doesn't mean every di- idea is going to get through. Mm-hmm. But we make sure that everybody can put out ideas. What do you think? What do you? And then we we pick the best ones. Um, and yet, there's lots of obviously lots of disagreements. Um, I think that's that's part of the best part. Um, Nathan and Grant both have been in the TTRPG world for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> and they both have. <laughs> different things that they like that they don't like things that they've experienced or done in their own games. Mm -hmm. Um, and it brings about really interesting conversation and me, myself, I'm super new to this community. I've only been playing for two years now. Um, so, like, I started and I dove right in and now I'm in deep. <laughs> very deep, <laughs> so very I, deep. I always have that outside perspective. Very deep. Um, I always have that outside perspective of I'm still a new player. So, like, there's some things that I can give a perspective on. Like, okay, you get this because you've been doing it for over a decade. Mm-hmm. I don't because I've been doing this for two years. So, so it gives that... I feel like it gives that well-rounded of, okay, this can be read by somebody who doesn't understand it as yeah. well as somebody who's been playing for yeah. years and years and years and years. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with, with that. Basically, whenever like I have been making my game, I want I want a mixture. I want a, I want a mixture of veteran players and then also new players so that the new players can see if they can pick it up right off the bat uh, 
you know, sometimes, sometimes they ask questions and uh, most of the time they actually ask questions and all that stuff, but being able to at least understand <laughs> and comprehend what, what is going on in the system, because I mean, being able to play like D and D five V that's, that's a good beginner one for people to kind of get into. And then once you get into it, you, you have a general sense of how these game systems usually work. And then you can kind of branch out to different ones that kind of fit right. what you like. Um, but then also you have, uh, you have like game systems where you know sometimes it's not it's not you're, you're you're brand new to it and you're and you're playing something that your friend is, has made which is which is like in my case like I I have friends who who come in and like I don't know what TTRPGs are They're like okay come come and play my game and then and then right, they yeah. start playing it and uh, they like it but they they don't realize that there's like a full universe of different types of games out there um, and just the mechanics behind everything it's 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 crazy and how everything works together uh it's it's a full-on roller coaster going in going into your brain constantly trying to figure out what you're going to do in (laughs) in certain scenarios and then just like you know being able to kind of think and and do those things and i i love tabletop rpgs because of because of that but onto the actual topic at hand mythcraft uh from what I've seen of it so far, from what I've read and and checked out, uh, it is actually really similar to kind of how I have developed my own TTRPG, uh, Reborn in Power. Uh, it's mainly because I'm a huge fan of character creation. Like I, I it's it's literally okay. why yeah. why mm-hmm. I built my system in the first place is like I I wanted like a character like just character creation, um, and it seems like you, you're you guys are going like the same the same route. Uh, I'm curious about how Mythcraft like uh, allows players to make their decisions, especially on each level up. Because if I'm not mistaken, I, I you guys have like 30 levels in Mythcraft. We do, Correct. yeah, yeah. And uh, one of the big things that we're going for with Mythcraft is, uh, as you were alluding to, it's player agency and player decision making with mm-hmm. how they level their characters up. Mm-hmm. So every single level will bring at least two choices to the player for what uh, what they want to do as they level their character up. Two choices per, like per level? Yeah. and Per level, right. So, yep. so, so at every level, you're going to get an attribute point that you can assign to one of your eight attributes, and those will be like strength, intelligence, charisma, kind of your standard set of what you can do. Okay. Um, additionally, every level you get a talent point, and mm. you are able to put um, assign your talent point to unlock different talents, which uh, feats and talents, kind of the same language in a lot yeah. of different games, depending on what you're playing. But it's it's things that your character gets to do, whether that's an active ability or a passive like mm. bonus built into your mechanics. Uh, is there a max on the attributes or or on these talents? Like, is like is there a yeah? Max? So yeah, go ahead, go ahead. And Andy, cut in whenever you want to. Um, <laughs> but each uh, okay, <laughs> each each attribute goes on a scale from negative uh, three up to twelve. Okay. And so the average humanoid uh, and their like the average capability for someone to do something is a zero. And so you at first level get five attribute points to assign throughout your different abilities, and then gradually over the course of different leveling up um, processes, by the time you hit level thirty, you'll have a total of uh, thirty-four attribute points. Hmm. So two of your stats can be completely maxed out, and you can yeah. get pretty close on a third one. 
Um, or you could go kind of halfway with most of your different attributes. That's interesting because uh, uh, in in my system, I I have a D twelve system, and it is okay. I, I, I base mm-hmm. I base my system around around twelve, like the number twelve. So like max level is twelve. Uh, the max attribute is twelve. So it's like it's it's sim- it's similar. But then <laughs> also, you guys have a, you guys run on a D twenty system too. Do you, do you add when you roll when you do like a, a check? Do you do you add the, the base attribute itself, or is like a is there like a modifier type thing? Yeah, it would be the base attribute. So okay. you'll have a, a minus three to a plus twelve. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, and one thing within all the attributes is there's also going to be associated skills. Mm. Um, and that's that's some of what comes from those talents that you mm-hmm. can take if you mm-hmm. want to build those ways. Um, so you'll have just like your normal strength attribute. Um, but you can also specialize in um, like an acrobatics type thing or a pushing type thing or a strength type skill. Same mm-hmm. thing with intelligence. You have the intelligence stat, but you can have additional points in like history or politics mm. um so you might only have a plus two in your intelligence but you can have all the way up to a plus 10 in history if you really want to specialize in history you guys have um, a politics skill so you sorry really... <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was like, yeah. there's gonna be there's a huge a huge skill system um interesting that's man. gonna be built so that you can have your character really specialize in certain things mm. um and that also ties into, which Nathan hasn't mentioned yet, um, the occupations and professions that also mm-hmm. go along with their character. Mm. Um, in our game, characters at level one do not start as a class. They just start as an adventurer. You're not a cleric. You're not a berserker. You're not a rogue. You are just an adventurer. Mm. You don't get your class until level two. Yeah. So you got so you got to establish one, yourself you first. Have, Right. Yeah. Um, And the one thing you do get at level one is that occupation or that profession. Um, And that's a whole other leveling up system that levels up along with you. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of giving something every level, um, it's every, I think, like four or five. Right, Nathan? Uh, Five or six. Yeah. Five or six. Yeah. And that's something that for people who really like that, for example, they can start in a political type occupation and by the time they're a level 25 adventurer they might be a monarch they might own an entire city Mm -hmm. um so there's there's leveling up so you might have that along with your intelligence skills in politics and persuasion or deception depending on what kind of leader you want to be um and it it really allows for you um to ingrain like your background, what your character is about, and kind of build it along with you. Mm. Um, unlike some other TPT RPGs where, like, you're just like, I was a cook in my past life. Yeah. But that doesn't matter now. <laughs> like, <laughs> like maybe it gives me a little bit of a buffer. Like, I can find foods easier. But, like, in, in our system, you'll be able to actually level up along with a cooking profession to maybe potentially be able to give buffs or something like that. So would you say so like there's there's a whole lot to character creation. Would you say yeah. that the occupation like the, the occupations and backgrounds is kind of like a linear like class system or well, I mean it's not it's not necessarily your class but it's it's like a linear system where uh, kind of like how D&D 5e classes work where you get you get certain features at certain levels um 
as you're leveling up. Yeah, it would be very, very similar to that. Okay. Um, and it would it would be up to the the MC is what we're called, which calling the game master, mm-hmm. um, of really how much that's ingrained. So like, if it's a game where you have a lot of downtime and you're building these things, the MC might say, okay, you level up in your profession. So it's not at set points. Oh, okay. Um, it's so really it, up of it, how much it's involved in your game. Yeah. And yeah. you can so, switch professions at some point. So if you if you start in one, but then you pick up cooking and you want to be a chef and you start cooking in different towns and making a name for yourself you your mc might be like okay you gain a level in this profession instead right there's there's other instances where some professions might allow you to branch into other professions so for example if you're a uh, historian and you study a lot of political history then you might also become a politician that's pretty that that's pretty interesting that that's really cool uh, and it, like, you, it gives you like the, the chance to be able to, uh, if you're the if you're the MC, the myth, the myth crafter, uh, in this instance, you, it gives you it gives you the chance to like let your players, like your players are actually like helping you with developing story story because of their actual backgrounds and occupations. Because when you're you know when when you're behind the screen, what you want from your players is is them to be able to establish a backstory so that it could help you with with incorporating them into the overarching narrative of what you of what you're of what you're creating and but with this system it 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 kind of goes a little bit of a level deeper and it actually it actually helps with making the backs the backstory like the, the background and the occupation be a part of the of the advancement of the character that's really that's really cool that's really cool yeah thank you yeah. I'm I'm really excited Absolutely. about our backgrounds. I feel like it really rewards role playing and kind of the social aspect of the game. Yeah, I, I for yeah. for the, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, and the, the nice thing is, uh, we we are well aware that's that's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are not into the heavy role play stuff and the background stuff. Um, so the nice thing is, all of the occupations they make a difference if you use them. But they're not like game breaking. They're not so necessary. If there's, if there's they're, they're a table, interesting, right? If yeah. there's a table that's really just not interested in that kind of thing, if they decide not to ever level up their profession, it's not going to change their enjoyment of the game. That's that's good. That's good. Yeah, I'd like to circle back on something we brushed on a little bit a few minutes ago. Yeah, of um, course. The, uh, yeah, so the skill points and uh, how Andy was saying, like you might have. A high, or you might have like a plus two intelligence, but a plus five history. So you'd have like a plus seven overall mm-hmm. by adding those together. Um, there are, I, I don't actually have the number off the top of my head, but there's something like 40 skills, oh, which wow. sounds overwhelming at first and certainly could, <laughs> yeah. could become overwhelming. Uh, but the nice thing is, as a, as a myth crafter or as, a, as an MC, as the game master, yeah. um, you you would only ever ask your players for one of seven different types of uh, skill checks. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so for example, I might ask Andy, uh, let's say Andy is playing a berserker. Andy, I need you to make a strength check to lift that boulder. And Andy would say, okay, I'll make a strength check, but I have the skill lifting, so can I apply that modifier? Mm. And so then it's up to the player to remember, like, these are the skills that I have. These yeah. are the skills I need to worry about and pay attention to. Yeah. As a myth crafter, I just have to ask, like, make an intelligence check, make a charisma check. So it, it streamlines the process for the MythCrafter while also rewarding the player for uh, really or, playing into their specialties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that, that is very... That, is, that just reminds me of like some of the systems that I've, I've made because 
it, like so i i have like skills feats and abilities um mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. basically whenever there's a check the, a specific skill might say like when you roll an acrobatics check you can add this this extra die to the roll and then you spend your stamina and you you get that that die because it's like it's a physical skill that you're using or like a feat a feat is like it gives you an extra bonus to a, a specific check or and and it gives you like certain things and that those things are those things are uh like they're modular little mechanics as you're leveling up so you get you get mm-hmm. those things as you're as you level up and you and the player gets to choose w- like which ones they want out of out of all all the many different ones that there are <laughs> yeah yeah but uh yeah so yeah very similar concept yeah yeah right more more agency to the players let them choose what they want yeah exactly exactly Always a good thing and I, I I love that I love that it's making me want to make a character now <laughs> in Mizpah. <Yeah>. Uh, <laughs> uh, so my my question my next question is how long does character creation the create character creation process take like so far for from what you have and uh, could you could you actually run me through like making a first level character like what's like what's the first thing that you would choose uh, and then like all, all the extra stuff behind it yeah um. I'm not, I don't have a great sense how long it would take to make a first level character, um, partially because I've made the system and I've been doing role playing games for so long yeah, that yeah. to me it's, it's kind of formulaic when I've, I'm the one who's writing the abilities. Yeah. Um, I, would, I would guess a first level character, if you want to get really in depth and think through all of the decisions really carefully, it'll probably be, um, probably be an hour or two. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does that, that that's Andy? A, does that feel right for what we've kind of talked about? Yeah, I mean, it depends on uh, like Nathan said exactly how formulaic. If you're if you're the type of person, I have some friends that are like this that are very math number crunchy. Of, yeah. Like I'm going to plan out levels one through ten right now, spreadsheets, <laughs> numbers. Like if you if you're getting into that, like then it's yeah, it's going to take some time because there's so many different um varieties yeah. one thing that we have is at the beginning you get so many skill uh, attribute points but there is a cap that you can hit um so you can't just put all five in one mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you can only hit um half your level plus one mm-hmm. and we round up in mythcraft so at level one your ca- and two your cap is two um so you can you can have a two two and a one you could have five ones um so it's really there's a lot of combinations you can do, um, and that's going to be really fun for a lot of the math people. So, um, so if you're like me, where I'm just like, this sounds good. It yeah. doesn't take that long. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're gonna have um, like suggested paths. We're gonna have pre-built. Mm. Um, so for people where a lot of choice is overwhelming, like we're gonna say like, hey, if this is the type of character you want to go this is a really good talent for that yeah. or this is a really good um path for you to go on um so yeah i mean it can take anywhere from i'd say like 10 15 minutes if you're just a person where you're that sounds cool that sounds cool that sounds cool let's do this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um or it could take up to a couple hours if you're like i really want to crunch all my numbers <laughs> and see how all these things overlap and stack and how it's going to build to be that character um 
we also have really seamless multi-classing when we get there. Ooh, okay. That, yeah, so that's one of my questions. There's a lot of different too. combinations you could do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's what I'm saying. It could take up to a couple hours because if you're trying to plan that far ahead, you try to say, okay, I want to do these two classes and I want to do these talents in these classes. Like it, it can start to compound and add time pretty quickly depending mm. on how in-depth you want to get. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really like, like, diving into different characters what i what i usually tell players when when they're coming in i'm like okay what you should do is just come up with a concept a character concept in mind it doesn't have to be super crazy but then you can mold the character based off of that concept so if you want to be like a a, a mage who had their family killed in a fire or something like that you know uh, caleb from critical role <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh that you you can make uh you can kind of make a character based off of that backstory and we'll we'll we'll, fi- we'll figure that out uh as as we go along the character creation process uh and so that that's that's usually why I tell like my my players whenever I'm I'm introducing them to to my, to my system is come up with a character concept first so that we can we can mold mm-hmm. the mold the character based off of that and then if you want to change how they are later on as as they're progressing through the game then, well, then, then you change how, how they are as you're progressing through the game because it's customizable and you can just do whatever you want. Uh, but yeah, that... that Absolutely. And, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so, yeah, but that, that is... Um, no, I was just going to say, we... <laughs> the Discord the Discord lag is, is going on here. <laughs> yes. You go. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I was just going to say that, that um, the, the whole system of of just creating a character and being able to actually uh, choose your, your path throughout, throughout it, being able to like, as, as a player uh, it, it, it is one of the, it is one of the best things because it, you know, we, as we're living through life, we're making our own decisions and we're, we're doing our own, our own things. And if, if you are, if you're in a fantasy world, you, you want to have as many, as many choices like as you want, because you know you're you're going to be able to to explore all the different facets that 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 is is there, and and you know there's there's so mm-hmm. much to to choose from, and this is why like customization is is such a big part of of tabletop RPGs. Absolutely, um, and the, like that's something. Whenever I'm not the type of person that plays a character, I'm not a min maxer. I'm not like trying to get the best out of my character. Like I level up and choose things for my characters and teach RPGs based off of what's happening in the game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, yeah, that's good. And, that's good. <laughs> and yeah, I love when, me, when like, narrative decisions kind of inform that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's hard when like you level up and like in, in some TTRPGs, it feels super punishing to like make a choice. That's not ideal. Um, in others, like, there's just not a lot of customization at a certain point. So it's just like, okay, I'd really like to do this. I'd really like to multi-class, but to get what I'm going for, that's like four levels away in mm-hmm. that multi-class, which is not like that. Who knows how long that's going to be an actual time of play. Like depending on how fast your game goes, that could be a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I know like in some of my home games, like we hit level five after a year of playing. So yeah. like there's, there's no, there's having to wait that long to like, okay, I'd really like to go into a bard type class, but it's going to take me another year of play to get to do what I want to do. Mm. Um, 
yeah, we, we really wanted to have a system where like there's more levels. So an MC can level up faster. Okay. Um, and not only that, there are choices and there are availabilities every single level for you to get something new. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not going to feel like it's a very long time to get that thing you want to get because by the next level, you could just be like, all right, I'm going to take that other class. Why not? Like, cause I know that the next, the next level I'll get another thing. Um, I don't have to wait X number of levels to get my special feature or whatever it is. Right. Mm. Uh, how, how does one level up in Mythcraft? In terms of like XP milestone, yeah, is that, is that what you're asking? yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> should should have elaborated a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, that's actually something we haven't made any solid decision on yet. So we're still trying to figure out the core mechanics of each class to, okay. and and play testing different mechanics on that end. So can I um, can I tell it, you how how I how I did it inside uh, Born Power? Absolutely. So, so yeah. how I wanted to give players literally all the decisions. So I get like so there's a there's chosen points, um, which is like my X, XP inside inside Reborn Power, and you actually have to spend CP to level up. So as you're getting CP, you spend it where you want to spend it throughout, and you decide when you want to level up. So you can you can decide to rank up skills and. And do and do stuff and focus on that, or you could decide to level up so that you can get more access to more stuff as you're getting more more and more powerful. And nice that that I cool. I think is like is it's really fun to see how how players actually decide when they want to level up. Uh, and it also makes it, I also warn them. I'm, I'm like, if you decide to stay level one forever. It's it's not going to be a good time, <laughs> right? No, that's a great way to do it. Like I, I generally, as a dungeon master or game master, I usually don't like XP just because it's one mm-hmm. more number to track. Yeah. But if you're going to use XP, like that's a fantastic way to do it. Um, use it as like a meta currency. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think a lot oh, of people on our team are milestone type players. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like a, a lot of us are very narrative play type people. And a lot of what Mythcraft was designed around was to allow for a lot more narrative play in all aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we haven't made any final decisions on that. Um, but I will say a lot of the team is very much on the side of leveling along with what's going on mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. story more so than a number. Yeah. I, I feel like milestone has become way more popular, like like way more pop- popular now than, than any other like leveling system, uh, I would say be- because of the na- the narrative structure and how and how more games. I feel like if I feel like if we were to pull the t- the TTRPG community, uh, like at, at at like the entire the entire community, I feel like more people are more role play oriented than they are like other other stuff, or or it's it's kind of shifted that way throughout the past mm-hmm. the the past few decades. Yeah. That, yeah, I mean, role playing games originated. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, pro- probably yeah. in large part because of that, right? Because yeah. they they originated basically as war games, mm-hmm. or like, uh, yeah, and that that dynamic has moved a lot uh, since their inception. Mm-hmm. So uh, another question I have is for the myth for myth crafters, the the MCs, uh, 
we know that usually like DMs, GMs, and all that stuff. When when they're running games, sometimes they want to you know homebrew their own little creature or or something like that. Is well, myth in MythCraft, is it going to be? Is there going to be like homebrew like templates or ways to create new content in the system? Definitely. Um, that's that's something Grant and I are both very passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, I prior to the uh, OGL. Um, debacle i used to be a, a third-party content writer for D mm. um and uh, so i really enjoy the uh, aspect of the game where other people who aren't like officially part of the head team for a game can still contribute to the game in some way like yeah, that's yeah. that's very important to me i think that's important to everyone on the mythcraft team mm. uh grant has written up a little a uh, template that he calls Mythcraft Monster Math, which is something that uh, that a Mythcrafter could use to design their own monster That's to good, calibrate good it. Good alliteration the... there. That's good. yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's catchy. So you can you can use that to figure out like how many actions a monster should be able to take, uh, how powerful they should be in comparison to different character levels. Yeah, and um, one thing we we don't only support people. Um, creating their own stuff we actually really want people to we we are fully supportive of it um we don't know what's going to come with the new orc license um but we plan either way to have a fully very open gaming license we want people to be able to build off of mythcraft make their own monsters make their own adventures make their own settings we want to see those supplements come out Mm -hmm. um we want people to really make this their own so we yeah um as nathan said him and grant are very passionate about this um so there are plans in the future for lots of different tools for people um to use if they want to create anything homebrew anything in the mythcraft system that that's actually yeah that's actually a very uh a very big thing for me um when it comes to I, i i'm kind of doing the same i actually have like homebrew templates for the, all the different things that you could design, because my my game is very mm-hmm. modular, I, I call it the like the mm-hmm. leg the Lego set of of TTRPGs. <laughs> so you could like pick, I love that you can pick and choose different things, and you don't like if it, you don't you don't have to create an entire class for something. You just can create one little thing and be like, okay, uh, uh, lore master, which is like what I call my my. GMs and stuff like lore master mm-hmm. can I have this thing and then they can be like okay let's let's balance it out a little bit better and then you're, you're good to go you can use it and then they, they a player can just use something that they created or like or like like cra- crafting gear inside of it is, is is easy and also the thing that I want to do is I want to take my universe that I've created and start uh taking po- like regions inside this inside the universe and then build a setting like take take that setting and, and build it in, into other systems so like one would be in mythcraft or something like that and then i'd like i'd have like a, a, full, cool. a full setting and then like let people like let, let players kind of explore that setting and then also like tie it into the the lore behind uh behind like my my universe and all that stuff and like that's that's something i i, I plan on doing is going into like all these different different ttrpg systems and seeing if i can like like really expand out and build 
like new worlds and new things for people to explore. And that's like, that's, that's just my goal in life is just to let people explore everything. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah, the, that's, the more that's of absolutely it along the lines we want. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The more, the more that there's like a two way street between the creators of the game and the like fan base and third party creators, mm-hmm. um, then, you know, the, the richer the community is as a whole for that. Yeah. And I, I, I honestly see the TTRPG, like community, it, instead of it being like a a a uh, competition between different game systems and all that stuff, and you know, like D and D sees like Wizards of the, of the Coast sees it kind of like that, and like because because of Hasbro and all that stuff. But but I feel right. like the the overall TTRPG community is more collaborative than than competitive itself. Yeah, it's and I feel yeah, I, I feel like that needs to. That needs to be at the forefront of the conversation. It needs to be, hey, let's let's take our settings and then incorporate it into other systems, so that it's like we're, we're kind of double dipping into like and, and letting people kind of pick and choose which system they, they want to be in and which setting they want to be in, and then you could just choose which one, and then like try different ones yeah. out. And it's like, you know, if someone yeah. someone would like Star Wars, for instance, and then you could have Star Wars in all these different settings. And then uh, all these different systems, and then pick the one that you want you you like the best, kind of thing. Yeah, I've never done that yet, but I've I've had a dream for a long time of running uh, different role playing game systems in uh, different official D anD D worlds. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Eberron is is one that I really love. I want to run games set in Eberron, but using non D anD D mechanics. To yeah, do it. yeah, exactly. That that'd be so interesting because then you, you can yeah. you can test out mechanics that normally you you probably wouldn't use inside that that world but then but then there, there might be some cool thing cool ways to actually incorporate like new possibilities inside that world because of because of certain mechanics happening right yeah uh so uh i think the the big the biggest topic we're gonna go over now is the action point system because <laughs> that's the uh yeah. <laughs> That's one of the the things that I'm very curious about. Uh, so, can you elaborate on this action point system for co- how combat works and all that? Sure. So I will. Um, well, Andy, do you think it's better to start with like specific examples or top down explanation of the concept? Because I've tried it from both angles, I'm not sure which way is easier to <laughs> express. <laughs> uh, probably, probably top down first, and then give the specifics. Okay, so uh, action points are a representation of uh, how much you can do as a character on your turn. Mm-hmm. Um, you can spend action points to move, to make attacks, to cast spells, to interact with the world around you. It um, replaces like movement being a separate thing it replaces bonus or swift or minor actions whatever you want to call those uh it even replaces reactions or actions you would take on like an enemy's turn or whatever that might look like Mm -hmm. um and so each player character just has a set number of action points they can spend over the course of their turn sometimes uh, they can spend it reactively if they have uh, different abilities that let them do that Mm -hmm. and then at the start of each of their next turns they regain a the set number of action points that they get as as a character. Um, and that number changes based on your build. It might change based on certain features that you have that mm-hmm. your class gives you or something like that. 
So is it kind of like Divinity? Like the... The video game? Yeah, the video game, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> um, it's, I'm... It's, um, it, it's similar. Okay. Um, I know Grant is a... It's one of his favorite games. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, how it works is... Um, I'll give the specific example. Say you're playing a character um, like a rogue. Okay. And your rogue has five action points. So in combat, they might take two action points to move. So move twice, because movement in our game takes one action point. So I move 20 feet, use an action point. I move another 20 feet, use an action point. So that leaves me with three. Um, So with those three, I might choose, okay, I'm going to do an attack. An attack with a dagger for me costs two. So now I'm down to one point. Okay. So I can use that point to move again. Move again, yeah. Um, I might have another another talent or something that I can do with that one. Or I can say, you know what? I'm going to hold on to this. And I'm going to hold on to that one point. So if I don't use that point throughout the round, my next turn it gets added. So instead of starting with five, I start with six. Okay, okay. I like that. I like so that. So that gives me the opportunity <laughs> a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's going to be some classes that are built very reactionary. So mm. you might have a class that's more of a defender type that, okay, I have five points. I'm going to spend two to move up next to my ally, and then I'm going to just end my turn there. But I have reactions that I can take. Maybe it's one action point to give tactical disadvantage on an attack against my ally that's right next to me. Mm -hmm. So if somebody goes to attack my ally, I'm going to use one point to give that person um, tactical disadvantage. Or maybe Mm -hmm. I give my ally tactical advantage when they attack. Um, So it's the idea of instead of, okay, it's my turn, I do my things, my turn is done, now I'm going to space out for the rest of the <laughs> round until it's right. my turn again. Um, it brings it in a lot more engaging because instead of it being, okay, these five points are for me to just use right now, it's these five points are spread across this whole round mm. and can even bleed into next round if I carry them over. All right. Um, so it's it's it sounds a lot more complicated, um, but after you play through it once... It's very intuitive because mm-hmm. um, it's very, very much tracking of, okay, I have four. I go down to one. Okay, that adds up to five now. I have five. I spend all five. I'm at zero. So next term, I'm back to four. Like, Trust me, that's more. Um, that, it's that's, very, very intuitive once you get through it. That is a, a lot easier than what like, my, my combat system is like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I did have a question about that. Is there a limit to how many yeah. action points you could have? Yes. Um, there are, uh, I believe the maximum is nine action points, uh, okay. unless you have some like class feature that uh, lets you break that limit. So everyone, every character would start with three, and then you get additional action points based on your coordination attribute, which is one of the main attributes that affect all of your skills and uh, um, kind of core mechanics of your character. Mm-hmm. So for every two points you have in coordination, you would get another attribute point. Given that each attribute goes up to a maximum of um, 12 
once you have a 12 coordination, that's plus six action points for you. So you would have nine action points every round. Um, also, you have a limit of how many action points you can carry over to your next turn, uh, because otherwise there probably are ways yeah. um, to exploit it somehow. You know, hide behind your friend with a tower shield and just wait yeah. for three turns. Yeah, wait. Like um, you just have so many action points that you could just start doing right. too many things on your turn, <laughs> right? Defying the laws of time. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're you're restricted to not holding more than uh, um, half your level plus one action okay. points per uh, per round. So we actually use that same mechanic both for your maximum attribute score and for how many action points you can hold over. So mm. at first and second level, none of your attributes can be higher than a plus two, and you can't hold over more than two action points on a given turn. Mm. Okay. Okay, that's, that's interesting. Interesting. So uh, is are there, like, when it comes to the specific things that you could do on, on your turn inside in-game, in like, are the... Is there like a is there a high? How am I how am I explain this? Uh, is there is there like a like a max amount of action points for like a specific skill that that can be done? Like like let's say like you're you're casting like a lo- like a level nine spell or something like that. It, how many action points would that take? Like would it like take all of your action points for the entire round? Right. Yeah, so it would it would depend on the spell or on the weapon. Um, if I can, I'll actually start with weapons because that's an easier, yeah, yeah, yeah. faster <laughs> illustration. Um, so Andy mentioned the rogue with the dagger. Mm-hmm. It takes two action points to stab with a dagger. Let's say the rogue goes for like a strength build instead, and they fight with a great sword. It takes like let for the for the purpose of the example we'll say it takes 6 action points just to swing the great sword one time because it's mm-hmm. so much heavier and bulkier mm-hmm. um so uh, if the rogue only has 5 action points they can only attack with their great sword if they hold if they like if reserve they hold, action yeah, points yeah, to yeah they have up. to like right. they have to get ready for it <laughs> right but um in order to counteract that because obviously that makes great swords pretty restrictive and not very uh useful mm-hmm. um Different types of equipment will be more effective based on your attributes. So in the case of the greatsword, it might say something like, it takes six action points to swing this, but you can subtract your strength from that number of action points down Mm -hmm. to a minimum of two or three. So eventually you could get really good at swinging the greatsword multiple times on one turn. That's that's cool. I actually really like that. Because it allows basically any character to be able to wield like gear that that's something that i've i i've never really liked about D 5e is that you just mm-hmm. you you not every character can wield certain pieces of gear and it's like just mm-hmm. give them access but then do do some restrictions about about certain things but like still give them access to be able to wield those those pieces of, ge- of gear and this is like the same like it's the same con- kind of concept where, where um well i'm not not it's not it's not the same concept it's the the what you guys are doing is actually like giving anyone the the possibility of of wielding certain things because the action points allow allow you to as long as you're like you're you know holding holding back and and doing like not not spending them on your turn so that you can you can spend them to do a, to do a big like a bigger swing is, is there is there like uh when when it comes to like rolling for like rolling for damage is there like a base damage for like how how does damage work uh, I guess is what I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, at, at this point, we're we're following kind of the pretty typical 
D&D Pathfinder fantasy role-playing game, like mm-hmm. tables of damage. Different weapons do different damage types, and mm-hmm. uh, you can increase the amount of damage you do through investing in different talents, um, through uh, growing stronger so that you can use larger swords or larger axes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, as we as we play through different options, we may come up with something a little bit more unique, but mm-hmm. right now it's going to look pretty similar to a lot of other D20 or frontier uh, role-playing game systems yeah. with that same kind of damage is based on the item you're using, but there will be other ways to modify it is kind of where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Um, and to, to follow back with your question on spells, um, we actually, for something as big as a really high-level spell, um, it will actually take you multiple turns to cast. Yes, um, well, so we're we're having something called conjuring, where you have you may have to focus a minimum of three action points per turn until you hit like fifteen or you hit twenty. Like the cost of a spell might be twenty action points mm-hmm. and require you to spend a minimum of three per turn to get there. So you can spend five in a turn and get there in four turns, oh, or you can spend less. That's cool. But you have to focus on calling, like. This big, big spell, and that's there's not gonna be a lot of spells that are like that, but I'm talking like yeah, big, yeah, like like, me- <laughs> like meteor spell. storm kind of thing, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the classic yeah. destructive ones, right. right? So it's gonna, it's not gonna be like in in D and D where it's just like meteor swarm. Okay, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just destroyed a town in six seconds. Um, it's gonna be when there's the, those big types of spells, you're gonna have to make sure you're. Pos- Position correctly, your team might ha- have to work to help protect you so you can focus for four rounds to get that off. Um, so there's going to be a, a lot more. Some of those spells are going to be a lot more. You have to really, really prepare them. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't just get them easy <laughs> to be able to cast them. No problem. I like that. I I really I really like that. Damn, I I want to play now. Gosh. <laughs> uh, so with. With that, uh, is there a um, that you you would say that this? I, I would say this is more like a, like a complex system, but also it's not it's not that complex. Honestly, I feel like it's very intuitive. Like it, you you just hold you just have a certain amount of of points, and then you spend them based off of whatever something specifies for you for you to spend. Right, and that that's that's basically it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really glad to yeah. hear you describe it that way. Like yeah. that's exactly what we're going for. You know, we want it to be approachable, um, but we, you know, uh, low low floor, high ceiling, right? We want yeah. anyone to be able to come in and learn it, and we want veteran gamers that have been around for like 3.5 and Pathfinder yeah. and whatever the more crunchy systems. We want them to get enjoyment and uh, entertainment out of this system too. That that's that's because for Reborn in Power, I, I what what I've been wanting to do is like create different types of combat systems so you could pick and choose which combat system you enjoy the most. And like, okay. I've never really thought about like how I could do action points because my system has already been kind of like established with like stamina and energy. And you have like those kinds of pools that you, that you choose from and then the energy like, okay. and, and you basically you, you use abilities with, with energy and then you use skills with like stamina and all that stuff. Um, but that mm-hmm. that becomes number crunchy. So then, because it's so it's so number crunchy, I end up being like, okay, 
how can I make this simpler? And I've always thought about like action points and how like because I've seen how my like my brother plays Divinity and th- there's that action point system. I always thought thought like that's a that's a pretty cool system. And you guys have done it. And I'm like now I need to now I need to make my own universe and make Mythcraft content. I'd be like, hey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, hey, yeah, come, come play this this game. Gosh, that that is really cool. <laughs> that is really cool. I I really want to play it now. Hey, do Do you guys have a Do you guys have a uh, soon? Yeah. Do you, Do you guys have have like have like a roadmap for when when you plan on on doing like doing things like are, are you doing play like open play test kind of thing for for the system? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we do. Um, um, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> you, okay. you know the dates. You're 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 magic with dates. I'm like I think it's this. So you, you okay? So yeah, let me see if I can get this. We're doing we're doing internal playtesting right now. Mm-hmm. Our Kickstarter launches uh, at the time of recording this with you. It launches in two weeks. Mm-hmm. That'll be uh, March fifteenth. Um, and then, uh, assuming we meet funding and we're we're working on the project, we will open it up to anyone who has backed the project for um, for initial like beta play testing okay and uh that will open uh, in uh, july i can't remember what time in july but sometime in july okay um and then we'll take the feedback we'll work on balancing everything out and it'll come to the public in uh, january of 2024 nice nice very nice wow that that's yeah and that's the, great. Uh, the nice thing along with the kickstarter there will be a a demo mm-hmm. um if people want to try a little bit of it to see what it feels like mm-hmm. yeah um, we've got but yeah Go ahead, we've we've got uh four level two uh, characters and uh three monster stat blocks and so you can just kind of play around with those and get a feel for how the system works mm. Mm. Ha, uh, uh, but yeah we we hope to have everybody everybody anybody that backs the kickstarter is going to be invited to do external play testing and give us their feedback mm. um as we're, yes. we're doing the finalization of the system. That's great. That's great. I, I'm definitely going to be a part of those people. So, <laughs> all right. I, I, Good I, to hear. I really want to. I really want to try it out. Um, and also, do you, do you guys know? Wait. So you have. I, I believe you said you have 13 classes, right? Or uh, uh, 11. 11. Uh, 11. Uh, but uh, yeah. I'm sure there will be more later on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely later on. I mean, if we if we do really well and hit a bunch of stretch goals, there will be up to up to twenty seven classes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we if we don't hit all of those goals initially, then we'll just release them later on. Okay, okay. Um, so I want to move on to uh, if you will be will allow me to enjoy my my world building and storytelling. Uh, love for just fictional and fantasy and sci-fi worlds and stuff. I want to know more about the setting of Mythcraft. Yeah. This is all Nathan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is this is my my happy place. This okay. is my happy question. Cool. Cool. Um, so we have uh, developed a uh, uh um we've developed lore that spans about 15,000 years across a solar system and uh, uh, the main planet in the system is called Ansara. That's okay. the world where most of the adventures and uh, 
where 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 our focus is in developing it. So across those fifteen thousand years, there are four distinct super eons, which have dramatically different landscapes due to a combination of you know plate tectonics, but also magic and giants and meteors smashing into the the world and altering the geology of it. Uh, so we've got like four distinct different settings across the same world, mm. and those will uh, start at the very. Um, at the outset of our Kickstarter, we're focusing actually on the second Super Eon because that's the one that has magic uh, like pouring forth into the world for the first time. And so it's going to feel the most familiar to like fantasy role-playing game mm-hmm. uh, people who enjoy that. So uh, we're starting there, but the uh, uh, chronologically the first setting is like an ancient prehistoric setting with massive like dinosaurs and kaiju and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and no magic, so you've got to oh. you've got to survive that world without without your meteor storm and without all of the different things that that you might use to to survive such a deadly setting. Um, and then yeah, moving back to the second Superion, we've got your classic sword and board, your classic um, what do you call it, epic fantasy like sagas. Mm. Um, we move into more of a steampunky era and then into more of a modern era and uh, that eventually brings about the third super eon which is post-apocalyptic the the world uh, global infrastructure collapses and then different planar entities mess up the world in different ways there's like eldritch horrors that are scouring the world and there's radiation that causes zombie outbreaks and whatever else you can think of with like the words post-apocalyptic like it's probably yeah, yeah. there uh, <laughs> So the the remnant of like peoples that manage to survive that get to experience the fourth super eon toward the end of the timeline, which is where the uh, um I've got to pick my words carefully because Grant's going to come after me for <laughs> spoiling things. Um, I will say uh, the uh, uh, the fourth super eon is sci-fi and it's focused on exploring like a much larger galaxy than just the one planet and the moons orbiting the planet. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where I'll be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you, you mentioned the star Wars game earlier. Yeah. I haven't played the, uh, did you say the fantasy flight? Uh, one? Yeah. The fantasy flight games that that's the okay. one. I actually molded yeah, reborn I, power kind of based off of that system, that one and, and, nice. and five V like they're, they're, it's mostly based off of fantasy flight games though. Like that. Yeah. I love that system. Yeah. Nice. But what, what were you going to say about about it? Oh, I was going to say uh, I've played the uh, I've, I've played a different Star Wars system. I played the one that Wizards of the Coast put out. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. Anyway, anything that you might see in those books, like they will, they'll appear in the in the fourth Superion. Mm. Mm. That that's really cool. Yeah. So I, I've I've had a few of uh, a few writing friends. Uh, actually, one one in particular. He he has kind of like a similar. A similar th- thing with with his world that he's created, it, where he he kind of splits up his stories into different eons, like di- different like time periods and stuff. And it, it, it's actually really funny that y- your world kind of is around like fifteen thousand. You said fifteen thousand years old. Um, yes. And uh, uh, like that, that's kind of like a, about the same time. Pe- oh, I I wouldn't say it's the same because how my universe is, works is I have I have like a universal calendar. That is actually it's equivalent to one one cycle is is equivalent to about two years Earth time, 
So okay, sure. Yeah, if if like if you if you say it's the the core realms has been around for sixteen thousand cycles, then it's been around for like about thirty two thousand years, and that kind of yeah. thing. Uh, but do do you have do you have like a specific type of calendar for for how do you how do you pronounce it? Ansera. Ansera. Yeah. Um, at at present, we do have a uh, like a universal timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, that. I'm I'm a I'm not a historian professionally, but I've mm-hmm. taken um, I, I have a degree in uh, fiction writing and history, mm-hmm. and so I do a lot of uh, pondering over history and timelines. And it always fascinates me when different cultures have different like calendar systems. Yeah, yeah. that's something I really enjoy. But I recognize like not everyone really really enjoys that, and so uh, in a, uh, for the sake of simplicity, we're focusing on one timeline that focuses on a specific event. Uh, I will call it the unity. Mm. Um, and before and after the unity is kind of how we measure time. And I'm not going to say what the unity is. That's yeah, yep. I, that, I, that's a secret. I, I know yeah. that. I know that exactly. I know that feeling because I <laughs> I have a like a big event that happened inside my universe called the core reset, yeah. and it just like you know it reset everything. So. No one knows yeah. what happened before that. <laughs> kind <Right>. of thing. <laughs> um, it, so with the with the uh, the lineages, the the lineages are you, so you have you have lineages and and, and classes. Uh, the, the the lineages that there's there's a couple of them. There's dragon folk, human, clepin, uh, clepin, right? That those are the critter critter folk. Yeah, clepin. Uh, and you have mm-hmm. undead. So you can play an yes. undead. Uh, halfling, sure elf, <laughs> and dwarf. Uh, I, I love me mm-hmm. my, my dwarves. My dwarves are my favorite. Uh, but it, are do you do you take from the the kind of like the generic fa- fantasy tropes from from these, or like do you have you kind of created like original like style how how they came about inside the universe and all that stuff? Like, do you have like an original yeah. storyline for each of them, kind of thing? Yeah, it's a mix. So um, I I think that some of the tropes are there for like a reason, right? Mm-hmm. They've endured because they're really fun. Yeah. But we also want to do our own thing with them. So, yeah. um, you know, there there will be things that feel recognizable, even if they come about through different like in-world reasons. So I think the elves are a good example. Like they, they feel pretty similar to a lot of other elves. You know, they're mystical and otherworldly, but... Our, our reasoning for that and uh, the way in which they kind of arrive in the world is a little bit more unique to Ansara. It's um, a concept that I haven't really seen applied to elves before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you dive into it or do, or is that, is that something that Grant won't, won't want? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm weighing everything. You know, so against <laughs> that, like, <laughs> um, I, th- I think that's one of the ones Grant would uh, ping you on. Yeah. Yeah, um, I I started to really, say some of it in cool. one of our blogs on YouTube, and he he was like, yeah, I don't know about that. So, um, yeah, I I really yeah. like I I really like uh, exploring um like gen- like generic like species that that come that come about uh and how like how they can differ. Like for for example, inside my, inside my universe, uh, humans. Humans are actually like like they're not they're not called humans they're called prime because uh okay. basically on every prime are the are the natural ev- 
like a, a naturally evolving intelli- intelligent species. So there's so many different worlds that eventually, like if if not messed with any like higher entities, the prime will like if if, if it's in a habitable habitable zone to be able to like support life. Prime would come out of that, and humans would be a sub like a, a like a subspecies of prime kind of thing. So if like nice. it, yeah, if, if it, that's cool. So that that's kind of like how I how I've envisioned it because like I was I was like it's it's a huge universe and you know everyone's not going to be called human like there might be like different like, yeah. different names for them. So I figured I'd I'd kind of give like a generic like oh, like they they are the prime like the the prime species like just that just evolve naturally. Um, and then like every other species has like different things that are tied to tied to different like entities that come about that like, you know, manipulate uh, genetic codes and all that stuff. And there's, there's a lot right, of cool, nice. cool things about that. But uh, I, is there, is there, is there a specific lineage inside Mythcraft that, that you, well, both of you are, are excited to like for, for players to explore? The Klepin. I'm, I'm thrilled for the Klepin. <laughs> yeah. Little critter folk, like squirrel people, rabbit people, badger people. They're mm-hmm. just, they're going to be adorable and exciting. <laughs> I'm I'm really happy to have uh, come up with those. That, that, that's really um, cool. I don't care. Grant, <laughs> Grant yells at me. I don't know if we've announced this one yet. Um, we have a, a troll type race mm-hmm. um, that's super super awesome and super adorable and i'm gonna play one as soon as i can i don't think we've got an official name for them yet um but i know they're just generally based off of like forest trolley type um tropes and i'm I'm so excited mm. i'm so excited yeah uh will, will the lineages have their own like le- leveling system a, a, as they go about like throughout the, the progression of of the character, or is there is there specific features that they that they get, or how yes. how, is, how is so, that working? Uh, I will spoil humans because I feel like okay. I, yeah, that's that's, that's a safe one. That's the same one. <laughs> um, but the template is going to be the same for all of the different lineages. So uh, at first level, you're just an adventurer, right? You've got your background, you've got your attributes, and you've got your lineage. Mm-hmm. You get. One uh, default feature that everyone in that lineage gets, um, and then you get to pick one uh, either subspecies or one just generic feature of your choice. So, mm. um, let's see, like elves, you know, in uh, in D anD D and in a lot of games, there's different sub races of elves. So that's one where, like, you might at first level you just get a core elf feature and you get like a, a sub lineage feature, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but humans. Humans are universally human, so you get you get your human feature, and then you just get to pick one additional feature of your choice from a list of human abilities. And then uh, at um, every five levels thereafter, so level 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, and 30, you get one additional feature of your choice from that lineage list of options. Interesting, interesting. Uh, when it, okay, so... so... When it comes to, damn it, I, I want to know more about the undead and like, like how that's gonna work. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> but I don't, yeah. I, I don't want to like p- push you guys from from saying too much. Yeah, but, I, undead. I'm gonna hang on to that uh, one, but uh, I'll, I'll give a little more example from the human perspective. Yeah. So, uh, at level one as a human, you get one additional point in one attribute of your choice. Um, just that's 
a little bit vanilla. It's a little bit yeah. bland, but like you're a human. You're not an elf or a dwarf or an undead, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, different features you might take to uh, exemplify your humanness or your humanity. You might take like determined one, which mm-hmm. is when you drop down to zero health, you pop back up to one health mm-hmm. um, once per day, right? And then later on, you might take determined two, and then you get to do that more frequently. So those are that's just like a little teaser of of some human stuff. Okay, okay. Um, we haven't gotten into the to the magic system yet, and that is something I want to get into before. Like, I I, I don't know how 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 long you guys can can stay, but I'm I'm down to keep going. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm good. Uh, I. <laughs> Yeah, I want to know more about the magic system. Uh, I guess just just lay it lay it on me. Well, what what is the magic system all about? Like, how how does magic work inside MythCraft? Yeah, um, Andy, how about I do some lore and you do some mechanics? You just do it all because I will be honest. This is one part that I have not dove deep into yet. So <laughs> okay. you're much more of an expert on this part. All right. Um, okay, so magic in Mythcraft is uh, something I've been really excited about because I've had uh, this like idea of magic for a long time, and this is the perfect place for me to finally bring it to fruition. Mm-hmm. So there are five uh, sources of magic, and those are how uh, different people are able to cast spells. So there's a divine source for like your cleric types. There's an arcane source for mages and kind of the more standard like academic magic. Mm-hmm. Um, there's primal magic for rangers, druids, whatever. Um, there's psionic magic, which obviously is like popular for all of the people who love psions. Yes, um, that's me. There's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so we got you covered. And then there's um, occult magic for kind of the darker, more ritualistic or um, shady side of maybe like religion or mm. cultic, like eldritch um infernal whatever else like cult uh occult is a little bit difficult to pin down it's just the icky part of magic right yeah yeah. um and so each of those different five sources interact with one another uniquely so each source is going to be stronger than two other sources of magic but it's Mm going to be weaker than the other two sources of magic Mm -hmm. um so you've got kind of a five-way rock paper scissors going with with the magic sources kind of like um, kind of like in pokemon when you have the different the different pokemon types and they all like kind of you know fight against each other in in, in certain ways and you're they're more effective or something like that against against one, yeah. or, one or the other right yeah yeah so uh so magic is going to interact with one another in in that way uh, and that's that's like top level lore stuff, but it will bubble up through the mechanics of the way magic interacts with uh, other magical types as well. Mm. Um, at like a more basic like mechanical level, if you're a spellcaster, you have a certain number of spell points per day. Um, there's a lot of points in Mythcraft. You know, there's hit points, attribute points, spell points, death points, um, <laughs> lots of points. So, <laughs> um, so let's say you're a, a level one. Uh, which you've got 10 spell points and you can spend those points to cast different spells so if you're in combat you can spend uh, like a couple action points and a couple spell points to cast like a necrotic orb at someone for example Um, and so 
the uh, spell point system just allows a little bit more flexibility because you can uh, uh, really curate what kind of spells you want. Like, you could have just a couple spells that take up most of your spell points, or you could have... Uh, you could cast more spells that take fewer of your spell points each time. Interesting. Um, yeah, so that's kind of replacing like the leveled spell system yeah, that we yeah. see in D anD D, for example. Um, each source of magic also comes with uh, zero level spells or cantrips or spells that don't take up your spell points, mm-hmm. um, just so that there's always something you can do, right? Because yeah, yeah. it sucks to be completely out of all of your resources and have nothing to offer. Um, and there's the option to learn rituals, which are limited usually to like once per ritual per day. So if you know three rituals, you could cast each one one time over the course of the day. Mm. Um, something like that. It'll vary a little bit based on what your source of magic is and what your class is. All of that will inform exactly what you can do. Um, but rituals will take 30 minutes up to like... 24 hours to cast, right? Depending on the power of the ritual and what all is involved in doing it. Hmm. Uh, w- will will you be able to dive into different the the different distinct like basically will one character be able to dive into different uh, the different sources of magic? Like, let's say they want to go into arcane and uh, and like psionics. It, it, is that possible to where like you can like like dabble in both? Yeah, we haven't we haven't built that out yet. Right now, we're not just in order to really focus on uh, playtesting and balancing. Uh, but that's a concept that I really like, and I would mm-hmm. love to see classes that, or not not classes specifically, but character builds that explore the dynamics of um, being able to use multiple mm-hmm. sources of magic. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think that'd be really cool. We're just uh, not sure from a mechanical yeah. standpoint whether that'll be balanced or not. And- and we, like I said, we do we do want seamless multi-classing. Yeah. Um, so, if you want to do um, one level in witch that gives you ten spell points, and one level in cleric that gives you ten ten spell points, you can do that and have twenty spell points. Um, it, the more you spread it out, the less access you have to some of those better spells. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at this time, it, if you wanted to dabble in between different classes. Um, it's just that's where your talent point goes instead of furthering yourself into the talent points that go along with the class you're in, you start dabbling in a different one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's as, as simple as that. We're getting rid of um, the like prereqs you need to go into a different class. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you if you want to, if you are a witch and you really want to be a berserker you just put a point in berserker your next level up yeah there's it's a berserker not like witch. you need to have <laughs> and there there might and there i can guarantee there's going to be somebody out that makes some crazy build with that, that cuz like that is, there me. is so much fluidity <laughs> <All right. laughs> like like for, um, like for the, sorry sorry go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, yeah, for, I want to hear this. For example, <laughs> like when I was when I was making Reborn in Power, something I I was always thinking about: what if I could make a robot who was an assassin? Uh, so he's like he has you know he's robot robotic enhancements and he's a set an assassin, but he can also dabble in magic and like like all all at the same time. So he's a robot mage assassin, 
and yeah <laughs> and like that, that is something cool like like that would be amazing like you, you you're like your enhancements your cybernetic enhancements uh like charge up with with the like magical energy and then are able to like do some, some crazy spells while while you're while you're shooting off like missiles right. from your shoulder <laughs> get a space dwarf to carve some runes on your armor on your like exactly exactly yeah. just like some crazy crazy bullshit that just happens <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that that is that yeah, exactly. that is what i that is what i love so so being able to do that right. and, and and no like real limitations to it it's just more like like how how it should be is not give not making like limitations for things but gi- but giving benefits for you if you do end up going down a certain path right exactly yeah fewer sticks and more carrots mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh it, which 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 magic source would would you two choose out of out of the five that's tough. <laughs> I, I like so cult. many of like, them. No matter what I pick, it just always ends up a cult. Like, <laughs> even if I don't start there, I'll end there. So, like, well, it's I, a matter of the system. I, so I know I would be psionic for sure. Making like, a deal with a fiend. <laughs> right. I think, see, I'm I'm between primal and divine. I think I'd have to go divine. Uh, yeah, that divine divine would probably be my, my next bet. Are there... Yeah. Are there gods in a pantheon inside this? I, I, I'm sure there are. Like it's it's it's, yeah. fan, it's fantasy. There, there must be. Right. <laughs> but yeah, we've got we've got several different like pantheons we've been building out. Yeah. Um, could you? Yeah, based on different. Could you explore any of that, or is is that also off limits? I will. Uh, um. I I will say the. Uh, categories of some of them okay uh we're obviously a little bit more cagey around this right yeah, now because that's yeah. like big lore stuff but you've got your kind of typical celestials and and fiends mm-hmm. you've got some fey and we're fleshing out the fey i think a lot more than a lot of other games do so mm-hmm. there's like elemental fey there's natural fey there's emotional fey um because you know you see all of those aspects in like fairy yeah. lore yeah. um and there's a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes eldritch, like, otherworldly horror stuff going on, too. So, mm. um, yeah, that's, I, th- I think that's a, I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fine. I, 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 like, I like the world-building aspect of, of TTRPGs, because, like, like the, the system, the sis- you can't really do anything unless you have a, the world. Like, you, you have the system, but, like, like the world is like what, what allows you to explore all the all the different aspects of the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. What, what, what else? So, so Mythcraft is going to be launching on March fifteenth. Uh, are like let's go through the stretch goals specifically uh, for for the Kickstarter itself. Okay. Sure. Um, Andy, do you have that? information on yeah. hand um I, most of it from memory um okay, so nice. our stretch goals there, there are a variety of stretch goals um and it, they range pretty far because we don't know we're hoping this is going to be super successful mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we have lots of different stuff um, i'm sure it's going to be successful it's, it's amazing um, already <laughs> <laughs> well thank you um 
we have a bunch of different added classes, lineages, professions, occupations, um, to add to the, the thing. So the initial is 11, um, 11 classes, 13 lineages, mm-hmm. I think is the number. I think so. And a chunk, and I don't remember the exact number, I think it's like 14 or 15 backgrounds and occupations. Um, and then um, the different we have different stretch goals that are going to add to that. Um, in addition to that is the additional settings. So one of our stretch goals is going to be the pre-magic setting. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our stretch goals is going to be the post-apocalyptic setting. Um, and, and one of our stretch goals is going to be the sci-fi setting. And then classes and lineages that kind of go along with that as well. In each of these these settings, the, these are going to be like like uh, like just actual like books, like specific specifically like like set, setting books to help help uh, myth myth crafters kind of explore uh, these these right. So there's going to be there's going to be lore, um, probably some maps. There's going to be um, options for subclasses and lineages that fit more in that setting. Mm-hmm. New monsters along with every and setting as well. New mm. monsters, yeah. Um, that the you know, like Nathan Magic uh, mentioned in pre magic, you're probably going to see big dinosaur type monsters. Where that's something you probably wouldn't see in sci fi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, maybe space dinosaurs. Uh, yeah, um, I, I like space dinosaurs, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I like those. But yeah. there's there's going to be yeah specific stuff towards those settings um we've also already um shown on some of our social media um one of our stretch goals is going to be plushies some of our monsters oh yeah i saw those, um, we so showed, those are... showed the adorable yeah, land shark cute. baby um we have um dice we have we have all kinds of material type stuff too um so there's there's a whole bunch bunch of stuff in there both um unlocking add-ons for people to add and unlocking content as it goes through the stretch goals. We'll add um, one of those add-ons is actually the first official MythCraft novel written by yours truly. Oh, so really? I, I would love to yeah, you, hit you, that stretch goal and then. Dang! Uh, is there like is there like a uh, like an, a promotion like a promotional ad that you can kind of like read off for us about like what this the novel might be or like there. Yeah, um, it is. I should know my own novel, honestly. <laughs> or like, the, like re- read the read the background summary, like the, the, the... Right. <laughs> Yeah, let's see. So uh, it's going to be a sword and sorcery novel set in the original campaign setting. So that's mm. the second super eon where magic is first pouring forth into the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, the readers will follow an unlikely group of heroes as they embark upon a journey to unravel a grand mystery woven into the cosmos and the source, the sources of magic. Mm. Mm. So it's like going to be an ex- exploration type type novel story story to ju- basically like fill out the the world building through through. Like a no- novelistic framework, I-, I would say. Right, precisely. Yeah. yeah, a lot of world building, but um, obviously in the context of a of a story. Yeah, so it's a, not just like a history textbook of a story like cent- centered around around specific specific characters. Um, right. Yeah. That that well, that sounds like fun, and uh, I, like I I I do I do enjoy those kinds of stories. Like I I love I love being able to take take characters that like I like that I've literally brought to my players and then 
and but like like expand upon them through through writ, like written format and trying to like yeah, you know definitely e- explore certain aspects of the world through the lens of those characters and like that's like that and and then it, it gives you more ideas too <laughs> right yeah they it's kind of like a cycle they feed into each other yeah 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 oh wow that so so you guys have have a, bu- a bunch of stretch goals um and Oh, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm completely out of, <laughs> out of a, a lot of, que- all, all of all my questions, but is there, is there anything else you guys want to explain about Mythcraft to, to my audience and to all those out there who are looking to become a part of this whole journey? I've got one more. This is uh, something that I've been really happy to develop, and mm-hmm. that's um, the dying system. Like, Ooh, the dying get, system. Get happy about yes. that. Okay, okay, let's, right. let's hear that. Let's hear that. <laughs> yeah. So um, what, I, what I don't like is for a player to essentially be out of the game because their character isn't dead, but they're bleeding out on the ground. Mm-hmm. They wait for 40 minutes for it to be their turn, and then they roll a die to see if they wake up or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we've been building out is a system where once you hit zero health, you begin dying, but you're not unconscious. And so that allows you the uh, really epic cinematic, like, Boromir moments where mm. you can you can go out swinging. You can, either, you can either manage to just barely pull through and survive by the skin of your teeth, or you just go out saving your friends in a really, like, dramatic way. So... Um, we're uh, we're having a lot of fun building out exactly how that looks and how it works. But uh, the basic mechanics are: you um, at zero health, you start gaining death points, mm-hmm. and once you hit eight death points or nine death points, if you're a cat folk because of nine lives, <laughs> uh, then you die. <laughs> well, now I got to be cat folk, huh? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, it, so then, what what happens if uh, like if someone's like de- decapitated? Like, like completely just obliterated. Like, do they get death points? Yeah. Or is that like... Um, there's going to be... Uh, we, we haven't settled on the exact mechanics, but there will be rules for massive damage where if you take a ton of damage in one hit, then you just go down oh, okay. and that's it. Okay, yeah. Um, but we're not exactly sure how that's going to work right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, like I, the other day in, in D&D when, it, when I was playing, I, I my character fell for another time and... You know, being at zero health, you're you're just not, you're not having fun when, when, right. when there's like five other people who who are taking so long to take your turn, and you're just you're just gonna roll a death <laughs> saving throw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that that is that I actually like that that mechanic being able to being able to pop up, take like have like maybe like a, a gun or something, be like I'm not going out anymore, and just like start firing right. off sh- shots. It reminds me of a like like a Call of Duty game when when you fall down and you're not but you're not completely dead and you're just still like firing yeah. off some shots at, at people. Right. Yeah. I I haven't played a ton of video games, but I do love Borderlands too, and I love mm-hmm. the um, fight for your life mode. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I was inspired by that to some extent. I mean, you kind of have to get inspired by by like some some games. Like, I I feel like just all the all the things that we that we take from. All the entertainment as as cre- creatives, we we have to like we bring it together because there's no no concept is original anymore. Like it's just you know pulling 
pulling concepts from all, all the different things. Right. Like even when yeah, it's the components that you take and piece together. It's, yeah. it's a new jigsaw puzzle from different jigsaw puzzles. Yeah. Like even when, even when you think that you're being original, you're actually not being original. Yeah. Right. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, anything else, any, any other, any other aspects of, of the system? I mean, I think we've really hit a lot of the, the yeah. main highlights. Yeah. Um, and I, I think yeah, I, my favorite part of it so far is is the again that mix of the customization, really being able to build and grow the character that you want, mm-hmm. um, and being able to adjust mid game and not have it feel punishing, um, and just that idea of it's it is it's very friendly for somebody to pick up if they want to. Um, but there's there's so since there's so many options in customization, you can spend a lot of time trying to figure out the best build and cool things to do, mm. and it's it's not gonna feel boring for those that have been playing TTRPGs for a while because there's just so many ways you can go with it. I like that. I think that's that's a good place to that's a that's a good place to end our. our... <laughs> a little dive yeah. in, into MythCraft here. Uh, but for those who do not know, uh, where where can we find MythCraft? Where can we find you both? Uh, and go ahead and plug all, all your, your your shameless plugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. So as for MythCraft, um, you can find um, the Kickstarter, information about the Kickstarter, all that good stuff at just MythCraftRPG.com. Um, so if you go to mythcraftrpg.com, it will bring you to the Kickstarter and it'll bring you to a page with some more information. Mm. You can also find um, more information on our socials. Um, so a lot of the MythCraft information goes out from the Homebrew socials, which is just at the Homebrew D&D on Instagram, Facebook, um, and Twitter. Um, we also have at Quasi Real, um, at Quasi Real House, um, where we do some more specific MythCraft stuff. So either one of those is a good place to find stuff about MythCraft specifically. Um, and then you can always jo- join the Homebrew Discord. Um, they have a whole channel there now for MythCraft Chat, um, which is where Grant and Nathan actually pull a lot of their questions for the dev blog Q&As. Mm-hmm. So if anybody has a question about anything, they can dive into the Discord and put it there or on the socials. Um, and I will get it back to them to be answered. Um, so there's a lot of different places where you can find more information about MythCraft. Uh, but yeah, if you want to go to the Kickstarter, it opens March 15th, and that's MythCraftRPG.com. Yes, and you could sign up there, and I'll also like make sure to have all the links in the, in the description of this episode when it when it go, goes out. And uh, thank you both for coming on to the podcast. I, I'm very excited about this. Thank you for having uh, us. Yeah, thank fun. you, Matt. This is this is great. <laughs> this was great. Uh, and and for those of you who uh, who are out there uh, listening. Uh, thank you all for for listening to this this new little series that I'm I'm going to be putting together to to promote these table table RPGs. Oh, mouthful, <laughs> but uh, thank you all for listening. <laughs> and if death comes to you, may you be reborn in power. Thank you for listening to this dive into MythCraft. Be sure to check out their Kickstarter campaign 
All links can be found in the description of this deep dive. If you like what you are hearing and want to support, you can subscribe at arthadiananthologies.com slash subscribe. A link will be found in the show notes below. As always, be safe, stay safe, and if death comes to you, may you be reborn in power. <laughs>